Ah, you damn right. Hope everybody's having a good Tuesday. Not so much a good Tuesday if you're in Boston right now, but a lot of other folks are having a good Tuesday. We hope you had a great long weekend. We hope it was a long weekend for you, just like it was for us. Shout out to the bosses for giving us Memorial Day off. We hope you had it as well and got to hang with friends, family, and we certainly think uh, about all those out there that have served, are serving, and will serve our great country and we hope you ate a lot of great uh, great food maybe some dogs and burgers and stuff like that we'll dig right into the nba we got football stuff to get into because there are longhorns and sooners invading sec country already let's go it's chad and zay on this tuesday i'm chad hastings and he is the one and only isaiah collier what's up zay what's popping chad happy tuesday everybody Got a lot going on. NBA final set. The kids are back at school. Football, basketball, Texas Longhorns getting popping. And then Longhorn baseball in Miami. It's going down. Looking forward to it. I saw some videos this weekend about guys moving into dorms and moms and dads saying goodbye. Maybe for that first big time. A couple of tears, too. I got that one coming up in a couple years. I'm not going to think about it right now. Oh, man. Not going to think about that one right now, but that was cool to see. Good reminder that even if your child is a freakishly good athlete and is just incredible at that, it doesn't mean you're not going to miss them. It doesn't mean that changes. Oh yeah. And to see that the to see those faces that was very very cool. Yeah, we're we're closing in on the football season pretty quick. How about 95 days till Texas first football game? I like it. Ready? I like if you're it. if you're an NFL fan, I'll really give you the shakes. How about 100 days till the first Thursday night game? Ooh. Yeah. Chiefs against Dan Campbell. That's our first game of the year. Fighting Dan's. The Fighting Campbells against uh the Fighting Mahomes. And I think they're still staying with my man Aaron Glenn as the D.C. over in Detroit. Mm, the Aggie. He might want to have a plan week one. Because <laughs> those you guys, think he's prepping right now as we speak? Yes. Yeah, he I better be. I guarantee you he did not just eat a burger and a dog on Memorial Day or maybe have some ribs or something. No, I think he was planning. I, do, I think when, while he was licking his fingers, he was trying to figure out how to stop Mahomes. Well, remember, they got rid of their left tackle. He went over to... Cincinnati and got some big time money that Kansas City wasn't willing to pay. So Aiden Hutchinson, oh. he might be licking his fingers too. Okay, mm-hmm. that's true. That's 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 that could help out. Yeah, he might have showed up at that barbecue and said, "Hey, Coach Glenn, we're good. You're good." I would say all that. Go ahead, have another. I, they still got Patrick Mahomes over there. Have another rack of ribs. I'll, I'll help out. <laughs> Have another, have another bit of potato salad. We're good. Nah, they still got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey over there. Slow your roll. That's true. And DeAndre Hopkins just floating around too. Let's, let's remember, just floating around, chilling, no job. A lot of people would want a big time player like DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. So he's still out there. You're right. Be careful. Don't let Kansas City get him. That's oh the last God. team we want to see get uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I never thought I would say this about a free agent wide receiver. I'd be glad for New England to get him as long as he doesn't end up in Kansas City. Yeah. As a fan of another team or two in the NFL on the other side of the league, I would just like to say somebody other than Kansas City, please grab that man. That would really spice up the AFC East. It would. If New England willing to get him, which we kind of found out they won't because they they got Bill O'Brien there and – a little bit of bad blood with Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins. Dude, can you imagine if Belichick wanted that bad enough that he had to tell O'Brien it was going to happen? Yeah. 
you imagine what kind of quick, wild meeting that would be? Yo, it is what it is. Yeah. I'll tell DeAndre Hopkins, yo, if I'm Belichick, if you have any problem with him, come to me. Don't cuss him out in front of the team. We can't have that. Right, right, right. Because we can't have, yep. you know, media snipping around. This That's not the Belichick Patriots way. Not do it. not cuss the man out on the sideline. But he, but Tom used to do it. That's Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Tom used to cuss out everybody. He got the rings to do it. You don't. You're DeAndre Hopkins. It will look way different. Come to me private, come to one of my beautiful mansions outside of Boston. We could talk it over. We could eat clam chowder. It could all be good. But please don't cuss out my offensive coordinator just because you're salty about what happened in H-Town. Do me a, do me a favor, DeAndre. Reach into your pocket and start pulling out Super Bowl rings, and I'll tell you when you get to yell at my offensive coordinator. Even though he might deserve it. He might deserve being yelled at. Oh, is that none? Yeah. Okay, then stop. <laughs> We're done. Bill O'Brien, he ain't no, you know, squeaky clean guy himself. No, he's not. No. But that is is—it's definitely the name to keep in mind. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, it was the fact that Aaron Rodgers wasn't official to the Jets. Now that that's passed, this is the biggest story in the league right now. Where is DeAndre Hopkins going to end up? And is he going to end up on one of these badass teams that he's looking at? Most of it makes no sense. The Eagles probably makes no sense. The, the, the teams he's laid out, like they don't have the money or they don't have the spot. Chargers, Eagles, Bills, that really doesn't make sense for any of those three teams. The Chiefs, everybody has that fear of, wait a minute, they could make that work. What, what's going on? What's he willing to accept? Is he willing to accept a little less to go play with that machine? He probably is. I, that's the biggest question. What is he willing to accept? Because he seems like a cocky guy that wants to show that he's one of the highest paid players at his position, especially with the guys that you named last week that are getting paid some big-time money that aren't even in the same mm-hmm. ball club as Nuke Hopkins. So can he swallow that pride? Because you're 30 now. You you know, I would say – you have a one-way tri- uh, uh, ticket to Canton, but you did the PEDs, bro. That probably get, uh, they, I don't think that's going to keep you, you know, I don't think that's going to let you, they're going to let no. you get in with that. So it's all about rings now. Yeah, the top 10 highest-paid receivers are all making like 21 or more. Yeah. So does he fit and into that discussion? he's better than a couple of those guys. We got a lot of texts already rolling in. Specs text line 337-3776. Somebody says he's going to Philadelphia, but with a Chiefs flag. So that's interesting. <laughs> this says you'd really be okay if Hopkins ends up with the Niners and Shanahan. No, no, I didn't say that. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't say oh, that. Oh, no. I said I'd rather it be the Patriots than the Chiefs. But if you'd like me to extend, yeah. I'd rather it be the Patriots than the Chiefs or the Niners or the Eagles. Can we do that? Come on, man. They they got quarterback problems over there. He don't want that. Somebody says, watch out for the Lions to go after Hopkins, especially after the Jamison suspension. That'd be a pretty Maybe. That'd be a good move. Six games for Jamison Williams. I we mean, talked about he, that last week. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're waiting on Jamison Williams to come back to change the season. But, yeah, they if they made that move – that would put them right there with the Vikings because right now they're kind of, you know, I'm in and out on who's going to win the NFC North. But if they got DeAndre Hopkins, I would feel very comfortable taking Detroit. So a lot of football on the brain. We'll get to some college football stuff coming up here at 1230. But uh, also wanted to get into some NBA. Zay, we got this text already rolling in. This Celtics team has no grit and no heart. Time to change it up. A package centered on Brown for Lillard. 
would be awesome. Oh, man. And get a coach, either a solid head coach or a top-notch tactician as Missoula's right-hand man. Um, interesting. Yeah, Boston is done. 103-84. We've technically got two games to talk about here, but obviously it ends up where Miami whips them in seven after losing a heartbreaker in game six. But now the Boston fan base, the Boston team, players, everybody has got to figure out what's going on. Yeah, and every Boston fan will be wondering for the rest of their lives if Jason Tatum didn't get hurt in the first possession, what would have happened in this game? Oh, dude. That killed them. That killed them. 26 seconds into the game? What is that? Oh, and he And he was shot. Like, he did not look the same. It's not really about him running up and down the court because he had a couple of stints where he got up and down the court very easily and he looked like he had that speed. It was laterally defense and move. Jimmy Butler went around him like he was a cone. Yeah. And they tested it early and they realized. They, went at, they realized what they had. everybody yeah. did. Everybody did. And the Celtics, they realized what they didn't have and it killed them. And you saw Jalen Brown feel like he had to really take over the game and he had eight turnovers. Mm. And now Jalen Brown's getting all this heat, which, yeah, he had a horrible game. But if Jason Tatum wouldn't have been hurt, he wouldn't have, you know, tried to up the ante like he did yesterday. Shout out to Eric Spolstra right after game six when one of the most heartbreaking losses you could possibly have in the playoffs. I mean, Derek White, that's a big-time tip-in with, what, .2 seconds left? It's incredible. Like not even that. It was yeah. ridiculous. And Eric Spolster went right on the podium and said, I don't know how we're going to get it done, but we're going to win when we go back to Beantown. Yeah. It's just, that's just what we're going to do. And I believed him. I was like, this dude's lost his mind. But then I kept watching him and looking at him. I'm like, yo, this dude, he's dead serious. Yeah. And they went in with just such a tough mentality. Jimmy Butler, you know that he's going to come, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, you knew that he was going to bring it. You know, 12 for 28 with 28 points. He had timely buckets, though. Three huge threes when Mm -hmm. you probably didn't think he was going to take them because he's not a three-point shooter. He'll shoot them in just the perfect moments, and he'll pin them in the perfect moments. And then Caleb Martin coming from Nevada, undrafted, getting cut by the Charlotte Hornets. Michael Jordan, another one on you, bro. That's another one on you, MJ. You're the greatest of all time. You're one of the worst GM slash owners of all time. If you cutting that kid and he don't see what his potential is. Now, people get better, which he obviously did, and system means something, and being in the right fit also means something. And Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, they do that better than anyone of seeing potential. That's why majority of their guys are undrafted, and they finesse their way to the finals as an eighth seed. But damn, Jordan, that, that looks really bad now. With mm-hmm. what Caleb Martin gave you the whole series, 19 points a game, the shots that he was hitting. What changed the game was the run that him and Jimmy Butler went on to end the third and begin the fourth. It was round 71-64. Caleb Martin hit a huge three. They came back down the other end. Uh, Celtics didn't score. And then Caleb Martin, to uh, close out the third quarter, hit that na- nasty Kobe-like fadeaway, which if he's hitting the, that. The one up and under the basket? Oh, yeah. Was it that one? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, he faked, he faked uh, like he was going to do a layup. And yeah. Marcus Smart was bitching about something, and he came around and hit that shot to put him up 10. You come back uh, in the fourth quarter, he hits a three, then Jimmy Butler hits a pull-up, then he rips Jalen Brown and gets a dunk, 83-66, like that. 
Yeah. 83-66 like that. You were just in the game. The crowd was getting back to it. I'm like, oh, these guys are five points away, seven points away. They are right there. And then Kayla Martin and Jimmy Butler just iced the game, and they had nothing left. Duncan Robinson hit a couple of threes in that fourth quarter. You got Duncan Robinson doing the Hulk Hogan, holla if you hear me, and well, the crowd and stuff. Yeah. So disrespectful. And you knew he wanted to get it back because he missed those wide-open threes in game six. Tough. If he hits one of them, they win. Oh, I, I can hear my pops going nuts probably at his crib in beautiful Kyle, Texas, when Duncan Robinson in Game 6 caught that wide-open jumper and took a dribble and completely shot his rhythm. Yep. Only certain guys could do that. Now, Duncan Robinson is one of the best shooters in the association, so pressure bust pipes. He's been shooting well right. all series. When that pressure, when you feel it on your back, yeah, you know what's at stake. Some guys love it, and some guys, as open as he was, missing those two ones that he missed, they just can't handle it. And that was one of those moments. So I would have just caught and shot. That's yeah. just me. But he took that dribble, and he thinking about it. Once you think that dribble, you're thinking about it. The crowd, you can hear them gasping stuff because they know he's a good shooter. Yeah. Clank. The only thing I would do there, I have no problem with dribbling from three to two, but don't dribble from a three to a three. You gotta stay at the three-point line. What you mean? No, no, I'm saying if he was... That's the only reason to dribble is what I'm saying. If if he thought maybe I could get myself into 18 feet or something and hit something a little easier, that would be the reason to dribble for me, but I agree with you. He took himself way out of that rhythm, so then he was, you know, ends up being big in game seven. Um, A couple things. Number one, I would have voted Martin MVP. What would would you have done? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing against Jimmy, but I didn't think I thought Martin was the MVP. Yeah, Jimmy Butler's supposed to show up. He's yes. their best player. He's supposed to play like that. And the game seven that he had defensively, though, he was terrific. Even though he went 12 for 28 with 28 points and didn't shoot the ball well, Jimmy Butler's defense, getting those steals on Jalen Brown, he was really good. Yeah. And I mean, it's tough. If you're a Celtics fan, it's tough because a lot of heat's going to go to Joe Missoula. This goes back to game one. Why aren't you playing Grant Williams? You're playing Peyton Pritchard. Why that? You could have taken that game in game one if you would have played Grant Williams. We'll never know now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just things like that. Malcolm Brogdon getting hurt, and then you play him last night. Why? Just because he's back doesn't mean you have to play him. And this was their sixth man of the year. He's supposed to bring you something. He gave you nothing and got hurt all series long while guys like Caleb Martin are coming out the blue and giving you buckets. That's, that that hurts yeah, you. And then look at the three point stat, chat. You get you 14 for 28, 50% for the Heat, while the Celtics go 9 for 42, 21%. So you make more threes than they do, and they shoot 14 more than what Miami did. Mm-hmm. That's brutal. Yeah. That, that's tough. And when Derek White's your best player, you got no chance. And they were shot. Once Jason Tatum, first 26 seconds of the game, got hurt, that was it. Yeah, the, the other thing I think you, you mentioned it earlier, the massive amount of credit Eric Spolster needs for what just happened because – the reaction to Game 6, I heard everybody talking, the, the, the comparison that was made was about when Ray Allen hit the three against the Spurs. The yeah, way, that was a bad comparison. I don't know what that meant. I didn't, I, I, I didn't really understand well, that at all. Because, they were, yeah, in the end, the Spurs tried to rebound in Game 7. They played a close game and lost. But the way Pop reacted to that was he took them out for a dinner and tried to get them to cleanse it that way. And it was like they had a big team meeting and a team dinner and all this stuff. Spolstra reacted with no change. Everything stayed the same. He said what you said. We're going to figure out a way to get this done. Then they got together and he told the guys, okay, pack for a week. 
because the finals start on Thursday. We're going to have to go straight out to Denver. And by the way, if y'all haven't looked at the schedule, it's game two days off, game two days off to start the series. So they don't come back home until next Wednesday, essentially. So he told them, okay, you're going to pack for a a week. And we're going to, so he just laid it in their mind that they're going to get it done. He didn't treat anything special. He didn't have some weird meeting. He didn't bury a basketball. He didn't do any of that stuff. He just did basic <laughs> stuff. We're going to do what we do. We're going to figure this out. Because deep in his soul, he knew that the Celtics had a ton of luck at the end of that game, but that Miami had set itself up to win. They had come back. They'd hit the biggest shots. Their leader stepped up to the free throw line and went bam, bam, bam with those free throws, and it should have been enough. And they just screwed up one block out. Yeah. Somebody lost Derek White. Yeah, and that Max Struess, everybody's going to blame him because he was the closest one to Derek White, but he was playing out to Jason Tatum, making sure he didn't get the ball. That was his objective. You got three seconds left. You'll we'll see what happens after that. It just the ball went the right way. Basketball gods read our back somewhere in his grave. Helped that ball go to Derek White. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what exactly. happened. Exactly. You know, going back to that comparison with the Spurs, if I'm pop with all those Hall of Famers that I got and we lose with Ray Allen, we're eating Lunchables. I ain't taking these guys out. They're going to come prepared in Game 7. I'm pretty sure Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and Kawhi Leonard are going to be prepared Game 7. Just the uh, guy on the other side was LeBron James. Guy on the other side was Dwayne Wade. They got Hall of Famers too, and that's what happened. Ray Allen's a Hall of Famer. That was a Hall of Fame series in 2013. So that comparison, I don't know why they were saying that. If I'm Air Spolstra, I'm shaking in my in my sandals because I don't have those Hall of Fame guys there. Jimmy Butler's the only one, and he mm-hmm. might be Hall of Fame. Maybe. Bam out of bio's been trashed the last three games, game four, five, and six. He gave you something in game seven, yeah. which I poor Bam, Bam out of bio going to this series. Rested Joker. This dude's probably sipping tea and drinking wine, waiting to just dominate Bam and give him 35, 13, and 12 this next series. Bam out of bio is about to be hell for him. But yeah, I <laughs> Eric Spolstra is one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. Pat Riley is one of the greatest basketball minds from player to coach to president in NBA history. Like, Think about how much hell Pat Riley has caused the Celtics in the last 40 years. He kind of likes that, too, apparently. He loves it! Did you hear Spolster's comment after the game? He said, yeah, he feels a certain way about Boston, and I have to make sure I convey that to our guys. Yo! (laughs) It's been like this. This man didn't even trust Red Arbach. He wouldn't bring his own water during the Showtime days because he didn't trust them. Right. They would give them, you know, the Celtics would be in charge of – showing the opposing team where they could practice and stuff. And Pat Riley in the showtime, they would go out to these gyms 45 minutes away in Foxborough somewhere, and the doors would be locked and stuff. You know what I'm saying? There's uh-huh. real hatred right. that oh, yeah. goes to this. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised Pat Riley didn't go to Red Arbach's grave and spit on him before the game. Wait, That's the type of hatred it is. Like, we, it's for real. We don't know that we didn't. No, I respect it. There may be an ESPN Plus show I, coming up. I would respect Later. it. Yeah. That's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. And, yeah, man, so impressive. I The Heat, like, who knows? They're, I think they're going to need Tyler Hero, to be honest. I think they might need him because yep. they're so exhausted. they got to be. Now you're going to the altitude to play the rest of the Nuggets. If Tyler Harrow's available, which they said he might be game three, before, if they would have swept, I'd have been like, yo, Tyler, you good. 
You probably won't be playing. Unless we get desperate and go down 0-2, we probably don't need you. Now, just because you got old guys like Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, I don't even know if he'll play in this series. I don't even know if he's healthy enough, but he didn't play these last few games. Mm-hmm. So he, they took him out the rotation. They're going to need him because they're just going to need bodies to be on Joker, even though he's not a defender. But, yeah, they're going to need all the bodies they could get. And if Tyler Hero's available, even though that might muck up what you're doing with your chemistry and your rotation, just because this series was so nuts and you're going to be exhausted, you might want to consider playing them. Yeah, somebody texted us that exact thing as you started talking. The Heat are going to need Tyler Hero. How does that factor into things? We now have that series we talked about the other day, the altitude in Denver, the humidity in Miami, how that affects everything. They start on Thursday, and like I said, it's Thursday, two days off, game Two days off again in the middle before that next game, uh, before it comes back to Denver. There is one time where there, I think there's one day in between, but they're really spreading this thing out for the NBA final schedule. So there's going to be a lot of rest. going to be a lot of those yeah. double rest days in the middle. Jalen Brown, you can't take the money. You can't do it. you got to let some go. you got to let some go. $200 million's cool. Take that, because that's, that's steep. That's right. He can get the max this offseason. $295 million. Tatum's his next offseason, right? Yeah, like yeah. 300 that's something million. Jalen Brown, be Tom Brady, talk, call Tom. I know somebody in the area has his number. Robert Kraft was at the game. Mm-hmm. If I'm Robert Kraft, I'm going to Jalen. Like, hey, call Tom just for some advice. Sure. But, like, you know, we don't even play the J. Brown, we don't even play the same sport. Ah, shut the hell up. <laughs> just for some advice. Just for some advice on how to be – a pro in Boston if you really want to get to – because people are saying they should trade Jalen Brown. I don't think so. They need to get rid of Al Horford. He is washed. He is washeria. He is done. He is absolutely done. You get rid of Al Horford, see you later, bring in a way better big man if you can. I don't know. It's not like they're just out there. You know what I'm saying? Al Horford was big during the regular season, but playoff Al Horford, no. You can't, you're not going to get nothing with him. I think they should have played Robert Williams a lot more, but Jalen Brown – no, bro. $295 million, you being the highest paid player in the NBA, and you just had eight turnovers in the closeout game? Mm-mm. Mm. Mm-mm. Spike Lee, do the right thing. <laughs> Take less money. All right. A couple of quick texts, and then we will hit this break. Uh, three three seven three seven seven six. I have never heard this take, but I guess this is from a Spurs fan. Ray Allen traveled on the Game 6 tying three-point shot. It's I've the ne- NBA. No such thing. I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah, uh, he definitely traveled. Wow. He took like four steps. I had ne- I'd never I'd, I had to go back and watch that I play. I swear he caught the ball at the block and somehow made it to the three-point line. <laughs> And never dribbled? And never dribbled. And never it dribbled. was smooth as hell. It's Ray Allen. It was smooth as hell. It's the NBA, so they were probably just rattled by the missed shot and, you know, Chris Bosh rebound. But, yeah, that it was definitely a travel. You can't call that in game six of the finals, man. You can't call that. Uh, that's crazy. I, I got to go back and watch that one now. All right, a lot of NBA out there. Let us know what you think. Specs text line 337-3776. Up next, let's talk some college football. The SEC meetings are going on in Florida, and Texas. Texas and OU are there. Any decisions on that schedule yet? We'll talk about it on the horn. Chad and Zay. Oh, it is that time of year. It is that time of year. Alice Cooper and school's out. 
Is there any better song for that purpose than this? Ooh, right. uh, summer. Come on now. Every time I think of this, I think of Days and Confused when they were hazing and beating the kids, <laughs> the high schoolers. The hazing in Dazed and Confused does not live very well. When you see that, every time I see that movie, it's still a little, it oh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they do that bootleg Tin Lincecum looking kid wrong. They really do. They do him wrong. They do. Yeah. He does kind of look like Let Timmy Smoke, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he was a pitcher, too. Every time I watch it, I ask myself, who's worse in this movie for hazing? Is it Ben Affleck with the paddle, which would be obvious, or is it Swoozy? Is it Swoozy Kurtz? Is that her name? Is it the senior girl? Oh, man, yeah. She might be the worst thing in that yeah. movie when it comes to hazing. Yeah. It's all, it's all mental with her. Yeah, what'd she say? Well, her best line was like, wipe that face off your head. Oh, be just some torturous. <laughs> just torturous stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So Alice Cooper getting us started today musically. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. By the way, before we go any further, shout out to the Taylor Ducks. Apparently, they're still in that baseball mix, baby. They are in to the regional finals. Uh, congrats to all those area teams that have done that. We will tell you later on in the flex segment that Westlake did do that as well. Oh, come on, man. It did happen, Zay. I'm but, riding high, flying high with the Ducks. You focus on quack, the Ducks. Quack, quack, quack. Focus on the Ducks. They're yeah, out there man. in my neighborhood. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll follow those Ducks. So, Duck Baseball, uh, we wish you all the best. Yeah, not the professionals playing high school baseball. <laughs> okay, fair, <laughs> fair enough. Speaking of the professionals, some would say that the SEC in football sometimes feels like the professional version of, uh, of things. And obviously, that's where Texas and Oklahoma Oklahoma are going to end up this week. There's a special thing going on in the SEC that for the first time, if you're a Texas or Oklahoma fan, you might want to pay attention to. It's the meetings in Destin, Florida. This is the thing you see every year when Paul Feinbaum and some coach are sitting on the beach. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's what's going on right now. So they get together in Destin, Florida, and weeks ago, Jay Hartzell announced that he was going to go hang out at the meetings. Jay Hartzell's Texas president, if y'all don't know that. And he gets to hang out. He's going to develop some relationships, Zay, pass out some business, still do business cards? Do people still uh, do that? Yeah, yeah, it looks more professional. If you're a big-time university president, do you yeah. still do the business yeah, yeah, card? Absolutely. Probably. Uh-huh. Uh, you don't grab people's phones and say, let me put my number. No, right? no. no, that's whack. So they'll be shaking hands and doing all that. But here's some key stuff. Texas and Oklahoma have no vote on anything until July of 24. But they've been invited to, you know, get the lay of the land. But, Zay, they still haven't figured out this schedule for football. The only thing I've heard that's even kind of been figured out is Sankey says there probably won't be divisions anymore and that there's an eight-game plan they're looking at and a nine-game plan. But I haven't heard any details of either one. Okay. So let's all remember, when people started talking pod system way back, that was the SEC network that threw that out. Nothing official. Nothing. And this idea that I put back up on our hornfm.com today, go check it out because it's my favorite version. It's a 3-6 idea where Texas would play Oklahoma, A&M, and Arkansas every year and rotate six other teams every year. But that was an idea I saw from SI that was sent to us by a listener, and I've just kind of kept it in mind. And I've seen no idea I like any better. 
This is just the best idea I've seen so far, but nothing is official. So you being an Aggie, what would A&M's three games be? A&M would play Texas, Mississippi State, and LSU. Mississippi State? Yeah. What? I, honestly, I don't care about the other two. I, I just care that the Aggies would play Texas every year. Okay, yeah, but Mississippi State, where'd that come from? When y'all become rivals with them? I don't know if that's like the whole maroon maroon thing oh, that somebody's no, playing off no, of. No, 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 no. See, that's why I'm good with the 2-7 rotation. Guaranteed two. Obviously, that'd be OU and A&M. See, I'm a 90s baby, so that Arkansas thing, I know some of you listeners out there probably like, Zay, what the hell are you talking about? Again, being a 90s baby, the Arkansas thing, that doesn't really shake the schedule for me. See, I haven't heard a good, I haven't heard a good fleshed out idea of a 2-7, and I haven't heard the SEC say that's what they're looking at. I've heard that there's a 1-7 a being discussed for an 8-game schedule. See, that's trash. And there's a 3-6 for the nine-game idea. But you're telling me you've seen an idea for a 2-7? I haven't. I'm throwing okay. it out there you right like here. The idea. I'd be okay. good with that. Okay. Cause, yeah. Because all you want to make sure of, you want to play Oklahoma and A&M every year. The rest of it doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah. The rest don't matter at all. Okay. And if you're a Texas fan out there, let us know if that is how you're feeling today about the situation still. Do you want that Arkansas game? If you could have all three, would you want them? We all know what Texas fans would do, I'm assuming, if they had just one. If it was a 1-7, it'd have to be Oklahoma. Yeah. So this is where my mind starts rolling, Zay, on this. Again, Texas and Oklahoma have no vote. So what that means is, if they decide on the schedule, say in the next two days, five days, whatever this, however long they meet, all they need is eight teams to vote yes of the 14. 14 are there that matter with votes right now. They All they need is a simple majority. Eight of the 14. So, if... I don't know, Bama, Georgia, and Florida all decided they wanted to stay more of the old-school idea. Let's play eight games. Let's still be able to schedule all these awful non-conference games that we're so famous for. Mm. And then and, and then all of them would tell you, yeah, there's only one game we really care about. Georgia wants Florida. Our, Bama wants Auburn. And Florida's okay having Georgia. The rest of it they can, they can deal with. The rest of it they'll rotate. They don't care. And then, deep down, what are the Aggies thinking? Does the Aggie brass actually want to play Texas every year? Or would they go to the SEC powers and say, hey, if we can be in a group of eight that's voting for that eight-game idea and don't make our one be Texas, I think that's how we want to, that's how we want to roll. See, why? why? Why are y'all so soft like that? Like, why is that even a thought process? Oh, you know, because y'all a little brother? You know what I want. I know what you want. You know what I want. But, but you're re- different. But remember, the Aggie mindset going to the SEC was got to get out of that shadow. Exactly. Got to prove you can exist outside of it. Got to prove that you can move on. And during that period of time, I had a bunch of Aggies say to me, I don't care if we ever play them again. I don't care if we ever play <laughs> so them again. soft, man. Now, now, we all know there's a lot of upside-down Longhorns going on, and that feeling is always still there. But deep down, do the Aggies want the game every year? I do not know. I also don't know what Bama and Georgia and Florida and the real power of that conference, what do they want? And then, Zay, what happens when Texas and Oklahoma walk into that room the very first time today in Destin, Florida, and for the first time, they're not casting the biggest shadows. And one of those big shadow casters puts their arm around them and says, 
let me tell you how we do things here in the Southeastern Conference. And they explain it to them, and they flesh it all out for them. And they talk about this. Obviously, y'all want to play each other. Yes, Texas and Oklahoma, of course, that's how it'll work. What we're telling you is you could schedule Sam, and you can schedule Lamar, and you can schedule SFA, and you don't have to play the Aggies every year. You don't have to play Arkansas every year. We'll make sure that that doesn't happen every year. We'll protect you. <laughs> You sound like the dirty-ass owner from a last Boy Scout. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. I will yes, take that as a compliment. a compliment. So then here's the, here's the sick math I, that I found. This is the world you could live in, Texas. Alabama and Georgia have been scheduled in the regular season to play football twice since 2012. What? One year was the COVID year, by the way. Bama and Florida, twice since 2012. Georgia and LSU, twice since 2012. And if they get rid of divisions... I think they might be able to hide it even more than they do now. So if Texas and Oklahoma get into because their world makes more sense to me as a fan, Zay, the way you think about it, the way Castiglione thinks about it. No, man, we want nine conference games. We're going to schedule a badass non-con, and here we come. That's not how the SEC has thought about it. And as we sit here today, there is no detail I've heard that actually matters that anyone's figured out. So Greg Sankey is still saying, we need a pretty quick decision on this scheduling thing. Zay, he said that in the middle of last football season. And then we ended the season, and the championship happened, and Georgia won, and then he said, you know, we'd like to have something done by April. We're almost done with May! And they still haven't figured it out. (laughs) Come on, Greg! So I wish Jay Hartzell and the Oklahoma folk all the luck in the world hanging in Destin, Florida today. Their eyes are getting open to something and I do not know what it is. But I hope they figure out a good schedule. I hope they figure out a schedule where Texas and Texas A&M and Texas and Oklahoma play every year. I'm with you, Zay. Outside of that, I don't need either one of them to play yeah, Arkansas. We don't need no Arkansas, y'all. Don't care about the pigs at all. No. But those others, I'd love to have that. Because I've heard Texas fans, you've been one of them, say, well, what the heck are we going to the SEC for and not play the Aggies every year? It doesn't make sense. Wouldn't make any sense. I feel like a complete waste of time, to be honest. Because that conference, if they do nothing else, that conference gives you rival game after rival game, in-state, out-of-state, cross-state, and they do a masterful job. And if you go look at hornfm.com, the plan that I like, the 3-6, the only games that I can see that you wouldn't have every year are LSU-Auburn, LSU-Florida, Florida-Tennessee, and A&M and Arkansas. Those are the four that stood out to me as games that wouldn't happen every single year. But a lot of those others get preserved. The Bama Tennessees and the Auburn Georgias and those kind of games, they would still be there. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't make any sense because the bigger the game, the more money that you're going to get. So why are we avoiding that? You know, That's a logical question. <laughs> why, like why were the SEC, why would we try to avoid that? Like, are, are they afraid of just beating each other up to allow the Michigans and Ohio States to know. swoop in? And, I, you know, because clearly that's not a thing with what Georgia's done these last few years. Somebody said, why are you making the Southeastern Conference officials Colonel Sanders? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure why. But you bring up the great point. And, and I'm hoping that with an expanded playoff, They'll stop worrying about, right. oh my God, we have to fix it to where we don't lose games and all that stuff. No, no. You just need to play football. You are the best conference. 
You're already there. And in every single year of this expanded playoff, I'm going to tell everybody right now, three SEC teams are getting in for sure. Yeah. Probably four a year because there's 12 spots. But just conservatively, we'll say three. Guaranteed. And then you're probably getting more. There'll be years where you get four, maybe five, maybe half. Yeah, and that, that's it right there. You hit the nail on the head. Like The 12-team playoff should make this easier. Yes. Should make it like, okay, why are we afraid to play these tough games? Hell, we're about to go play Michigan-Ohio State while we're in the SEC. Right. We ain't worried about it. And the biggest dog in that conference right now, that well, the, the biggest current dog would be Georgia, to be fair. They just went back-to-back. But Bama is the one across time that's been the biggest dog. And they have never been afraid to schedule. Now, they don't always go home and home. They'll go to that Atlanta game yeah. or whatever. But Bama's not afraid to schedule somebody non-con. They just, they're, going doing, they're in the middle of a home and home of Texas right now. So they're not the one I'd rip on. There's others that, that, that I'd rip on. I'd rip on this, this regular season scheduling that I just mentioned. I hope they can get it figure out. I hope they can get it figured out. Uh, somebody texted in, I'm curious to see if my Aggie fandom returns. Damn, just traitor, huh? Oh. Like, wait, you were an Aggie? And then, what does that mean? You were an See, if my See, that's why Aggie y'all's fan? baseball skipper said, what kind of place is this? For stuff weird. like that. I'm not sure what that, what that reference what is. What kind of place is this? Um, yeah, so we'll see what the discussions are coming out of Destin, Florida. By the way, I reached out to uh, Anwar Richardson of Orange Bloods. I saw him tweet out this great video of just a panning of the, of the beach in Destin, Florida. Like a real tough gig to cover. He's, yeah. the, he's there covering it for Orange Bloods. We're going to try to grab him tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Uh, give him a day or so to kind of get the lay of the land, listen to some of those conversations, and maybe we'll get some information from him tomorrow about what he's hearing the SEC wants to do. Coming up uh, a little later, 105, our weekly conversation with Joe Cook of Inside Texas. We normally do it on Mondays. We moved it to Tuesday because of Memorial Day. Also up next in the crap bag, Chucky is back. Well, just a little bit. Kind of a weird story. want to remind you of coming up on the Horn. Chad and Zay. Wow. I would love to hear the first two artists you played today discuss music. I'll shut up and just sit on the other side of the room. This is Madonna, and you played Alice Cooper earlier. Yeah. Can I just hear those two talk about anything? Touring, (laughs) writing, resting. I don't care. I love Madonna. Two absolute legends. Do you ever see her live? Oh, no. That's got to be a show. Yeah, absolutely. Even now, I guess, I mean, I would assume she still puts on a good show. She's still hot to me. Does Madonna still make her way back to Vegas every once in a while? I would think. Maybe a little residency? Yeah. She's still that big, right? Oh, yeah. Still Madonna? Oh, yeah. Madonna's up in her 60s now? Yeah. Yeah. Yo, she be out there, man. Her oh. boyfriend's usually 20 years younger and stuff. Yeah, she's crazy. She's still smoking. Oh, she's absolutely crazy. Yeah, if uh, if Madonna didn't exist, you'd have had to just make her up in the 80s. Yeah. You'd have had to create her with a machine. Yeah, if you've banged Tupac, Dennis Rodman, and Prince, you're a legend. <laughs> You're a legend. Uh, and, uh, yes, and had videos, MTV, there were too risque for MTV to play. Yeah. And then just wrote a book about sex right in the <laughs> middle of it all. Sure. A picture book. A coffee table book oh, about, somebody- <laughs> about sex. <laughs> she did a coffee table book like Kramer? It was a big, exactly. You didn't have the legs on it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was a big, like, a. I didn't buy it myself. I've just, I've heard. 
Just read articles about That's range, man. Yeah, no, she's got it. <laughs> she's range. got the range. Somebody on Specs text line says she's coming to the mood. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. In September. Madonna and Alice Cooper. Uh, not both of them coming to the mood. That'd be a good job, though. I don't know if Alice is coming through this year. But uh, Madonna apparently coming to the Moody Center. Everybody's on tour, it seems like, in 2023. Check out uh, check out for your tickets as soon as you can. A lot of good text rolling in. Somebody says, I want Aggies versus Horns on Thanksgiving night. After the Cowboys, maybe it'll happen. It would be awesome. I know there are a lot of people that uh, want the game back, that do want that, that that part of it matters to them, that the Thanksgiving part of it is important. That part's not important to me. Uh, You can play that thing at 3 a.m. on a Wednesday. I do not care. I'd rather have it on the Saturday, get you a little more tailgate opportunity, separate it from the holiday, but a lot of people like the Thanksgiving vibe. For guys like you and I and a lot of us that work here at the Horn, from Cowboys to Texas, playing on Thanksgiving. That could be a lot. That's a lot. That could be a lot. Yeah. Like, let's get a little bit yeah. of family time in. Right, like, exactly. My yeah. wife be like, Zay, come over here to family. I can't do it, man. I'm glued <laughs> to the TV. I'm working. I am working, working on Thanksgiving I'm Day. I'm working over yeah. here. I'm working. What are you doing? Yeah. All right, so uh, Joe Cook, Inside Texas, coming up. We haven't talked a lot of Texas baseball, but if you uh, saw the bracket, Texas is set to go to Coral Gables. Speaking of a good thing to cover. If you're covering the Longhorn baseball team, Texas at Miami. Good news for Craig Way on that uh, that front. Texas playing Louisiana Friday at 1. Uh, so our show, if everything and weather holds and everything, our show will be cut a little bit again. But Friday at 1, 12.45 pregame, Texas and Louisiana. And then you're hoping for 5 o'clock the rest of the weekend. If they win, they play Saturday at 5. If they win again, they'll play Sunday at 5. And if they win that one, they will advance to the Super Regional. Texas would match up with the Stanford Regional. So if Stanford got through, it was it'd be Stanford hosting the Super Regional on that side of the bracket. If you haven't checked it out, NCAA.com has a good bracket for you to look at. Uh, but the Longhorns will play Friday at one. All right, uh, let's get you a quick crap bag here in case you have not heard the Chucky update. Check this one out. Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just. Think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. It's kind of become our pet division on the show. It might be the weirdest one in the NFL for 2023. Now, I was already a Bucks fan, in addition to being a Cowboys fan, so I'm trying to get used to Baker Mayfield as the quarterback coming off of Tom Brady. That's the first level. Second level is Zay deep down knew Wherever B. John Robinson got drafted, he probably had a chance of being a fan of that team. Yep. Then it became the Dirty Birds, the team that already had his secret, not secret, his out-and-out crush as a quarterback, <laughs> Taylor Heineke. He's the president of the fan club, so Zay locks in as a Falcons fan instantly. So now we're really focusing on the NFC South. Zay's practicing his Dirty Bird dance. It's going to be fantastic. But then I see this story over the weekend. Did y'all realize that the New Orleans Saints have brought a former NFL coach in to help them install their offense? And that former coach is John Gruden. Wow. Chucky is coming to the Big Easy long enough to help them install the offense. Now, there's some obvious reasons here. Derek Carr's the quarterback. So, 
Derek was obviously with the Raiders. They've also gotten Brian Edwards, the wide receiver, and Foster Moreau, the tight end. I didn't realize that in free agency. Do you call him Chucky because he looks like Chucky or the him and the doll use similar language? Um, now it's both. Okay. Now it's both. Sure. Now, it's, sure. okay. now he really is leaned in. Yeah, he definitely yeah, locked if, in. If you think about uh-huh. it. So it's coming in. I start looking things up just to figure out exactly why this would be. There are some connections. Gruden and Sean Payton, they were in Philly together way back in the day. And at one point, Gruden, I think, was a quarterback coach when Payton was an offensive coordinator. But, of course, Payton's moved on now. He's in Denver. So I'm thinking, all right, well, what OC is allowing this to happen? His name is Pete Carmichael. Zay, he's been in New Orleans since Drew Brees walked in the door, like in 06, as an offensive first analyst and quarterbacks coach, and then became OC the year they won the Super Bowl, and he's still there. Yeah, have you had them shrimp po' boys up there? Dude, they are good. They are very good. It's a nice city to hang Oh, I'd in. stick around as long as I could, too. So he's been there that long. And he's now is, and if you don't know, Dennis Allen is the coach in New Orleans, and there's a Raiders connection there, and there's a Gruden connection there, going back to the time it, with the Raiders. If I'm doing the math right, I think Allen would have been his DC at one point. Ah, there so it is. you got all that that stuff going on, and they're willing to do, and so then Pete Carmichael is willing to allow this to happen, I guess because. Since he came up through the early days of Sean Payton, maybe he has some feelings for Chucky. He's okay with Gruden in terms of his football acumen, so he's good to let all this happen. And I went back over some of the email stuff last night. It's wide ranging. I don't know if Gruden, I do not know if Gruden gets to come back ever. Wow. I don't know if he does. It was some wide-ranging stuff, and I don't know if nowadays forgiveness is going to be allowed. Man, and I love the quarterback thing he did. That was great stuff. When he wasn't coaching oh, yeah. for the Fort Leonard Network, that was great stuff. When he talked to the drafted guys? Yeah. For the draftable guys? Yes. Loved it. Yes, I'm with you. I love that, too. The What do you call it? The the um, former coaches, the fired coaches association or whatever it was? I don't remember, was. but it was good stuff and just completely ruined it for everybody. Ironically, he called it the fired coaches. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that division this year will likely come down to Derek Carr with a little help from Chucky in the install against Baker Mayfield and whatever they're doing in Tampa, against Bryce Young slash Andy Dalton, against Ritter slash Heineke in Atlanta. That's the NFC South. I love it. Wow. I love it. Like, if you think you know what's going to happen in the NFC South, you are completely high right now. That's the thing. Like, every single team... Really, except for the Atlanta Falcons with Ritter. Like, Ritter's the most comfortable quarterback with his squad. Everybody else is jumping into a brand-new system, which is why they're bringing Gruden in, because they want to give Derek Carr some type of comfort. Yeah, they're trying to give it as much, and they're saying that what they're installing here, it's trying to marry what he's comfortable with and what the Saints are comfortable with. So it's like Carmichael brings the Saints part, Gruden's bringing the Derek Carr comfort part, and they're going to try to put it together. Yeah, why you acting like Carmichael got a say in stuff? Like he's allowing Gruden to come in. He ain't got no say if the owner and GM say, you need help with Derek Carr because we got to make life comfortable for him. We got to win the South, which it shouldn't be wide open. Like with Derek Carr and you look at just the quarterbacks around like Mm -hmm. Bryce Young in year one, you know, yes, he's the number one pick, but year one, 
to win the South, that'd be tough for a rookie to do. Oh, Baker yeah. Mayfield, we know his flaws. Definitely ain't the top quarterback in college football ever, but that was last week's discussion. Does Baker have the most weapons? Who's got the most yeah, weapons of these with guys? Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. I would I would preach the Falcons, man. The Falcons with have Bijan weapons, right? And Kyle Pitts and London. London and even the backup, what's his name? Uh, they still got Cordell Patterson. Yeah. And then Ugalar, I don't know, Agalar, I don't know his name. Y'all, Algier. Algier, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Algier Run, yeah. running back. It might be them. Does New Orleans still have Thomas at receiver? Do they still have Michael yeah, Thomas? Yeah, they gave him like another one. They year. do, right? Yeah, I think this is it for him. This is the last yeah. go for him in New Orleans. Not a ton of weapons, but so yeah, I, I just don't know. Chris Olave do, was really good last year. I do not know what to think of that division. I just know that once the season starts, you're, we, we're all going to kind of want to peek in on a couple of those games. Even if you're not a fan of these teams, like a, have a connection like Zay and I do, it just your curiosity is going to get you. They were the worst division last year, and Tom Brady was in the division. Yeah. Now he's not. <laughs> so like now let's the, you know, let's see what it is now. If Tom Brady was in the worst division of the league last year and what they had a y'all had a losing record going to the playoff game. Did y'all not? That I believe is true. Was it eight and nine? Gonna, yeah, I think it was eight and nine. We're gonna see a repeat of that. It's just gonna maybe be a different you think so? Oh, just yeah. be a messy, oh, nasty. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless if the Atlanta Falcons wise up and start Taylor Heineke yeah. week four. Yeah, the Bucks were eight and nine, and the other three teams were a combined twenty-one and thirty. Yep, because they all went seven and ten. Yep, I think I did that math right. Yeah, whatever <laughs> division has to play the NFC South, they should be very happy, very happy. Yeah, that's you should check off four wins right there. Yep, that is true. That, I don't know what division that is, but let me do that quick math for you. I can probably figure it out. I'll yeah. just I'll just pull up the Bucks schedule: Vikings, Bears, Lions, and Packers. It's the North. So it's the North. Yep, yep, yep. There it is. That's I'm, I'm Dan Campbell. I'm feeling good. That's an interesting pairing. It really I, is. I, I, we hadn't talked about that yet. Think about that because there's an up for grabs nature to that division that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. So the division that Rodgers exits. And the division Brady exits are playing each other this year. I didn't realize that until just now. How about that? Yeah, and who knows? Justin Fields could stay healthy, what he could do with Roshan Johnson. They got some pretty good pickups there in Chicago. They can muck stuff up, too. Yeah, it's going, that's going to be some wild games when those two cross the cross up games, the games in division for both of those will be pretty wild in the NFC. All right, there's an update for you in the crap bag. Keep an eye on New Orleans. Up next, we'll take an eye towards Miami as the Texas baseball team gets ready as a two seed to go to somebody else's regional. Not something they're used to. Can they get out of this region? Joe Cook from Inside Texas will give you his thoughts on it next on The Horn.